Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today, we are discussing Season 2, Episode 3, called Home. It is written by Cherry Shiva Pravat Damrong and directed by John Kassar. We have no new reviews this week, and that's okay. But if you would like to send in a review, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review below, and we will read it on an upcoming episode. But even though we don't have any reviews, we do have an email. Oh, that's new. That is new. Oh, I'm excited. This comes in from Jade, who says, hi, guys, just to let you know, I enjoy listening to the podcast and have just spent the past week binge listening to your first season. Can't wait to hear what you think of season two. As a Star Trek The Next Generation fan, I love the comparisons you make between the Orville and Star Trek. When I explain the show to friends, I tell them it's Star Trek, but with real people who make mistakes, get drunk and tell daft jokes. I also think that this is something to be kept in mind when comparing the two shows. While TNG had a ship full of the best of the best and were cultured and intelligent, the Orville feels like the worst of the worst. They have a captain who only got the gig as a favor. When they get bored by space, they watch pop culture, and they're constantly making mistakes that TNG never would. Looking forward to hearing more. I don't know about you, but if someone says they binge watch anything that I do that or listen to, that makes me so excited. I'm into it. Oh, thank you for your email, Jade. And uh, one thing about the worst of the worst, I can't say I completely agree on that front because there's a lot of competent officers aboard the Orville. I think it's more not that they're bad at their jobs. They're just way more human Mm -hmm. and unrefined compared to like Starfleet officers. Unrefined is a good way to put it. Like it's just people or alien species just kind of doing their best. And I really love that aspect of the show is that. It feels more real to me. It's Mm -hmm. just more colloquial, which I enjoy. Yeah. Like Mercer did, yes, get the gig as a favor. But like the Admiral said, he's earned this role at this Mm -hmm. point. So like he's coming to his own. Yeah, he still screws up, but people do. He's a pretty good captain. He's a pretty good captain. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too shabby. (laughs) If you'd like to send us an email, you can send it to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com and we might read it like that. On another upcoming episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod, and you can join the Discord at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord and hop in our Quantum Drive channel to talk about the podcast and the Orville itself. Also, another housekeeping thing uh, for our patrons or for people that are interested in becoming patrons on our Patreon campaign. I release early episodes over there if people don't want to wait for those and people might not know that are reviews that come at the end of the episode. Uh, Your husband, Mark, comes up with those amazing one-sentence reviews. Mm -hmm. We have alternate takes of those. Lots of them. Yeah, we have a whole bunch of alternate takes, and we usually choose the best one and put that at the end of the episode. But there's a lot of them that you don't hear, but we still have those. So we're going to start releasing those on the Patreon campaign. I'll start with like the first episode of the first season, And then probably weekly, I'll just release them until we catch up to where we are. And then I'll release them along with the episode that we're releasing. So people can check out the alternate takes of the ones that we didn't use, which there are gems in there as well. Trust me. Yeah, there's some gems amongst like Rob has a hard time picking out just the right one for each episode. Sometimes I really do. And like we all giggle about it when we're recording them. Yeah. Yeah, so if you'd like to uh, hear those, you can head on over to patreon.com slash thegeekgeneration and become a backer over there. It is greatly appreciated. Before we talk about the episode, Katie has trivia. I have trivia. There's quite a bit for this episode. Um, One of the things that was interesting is that the home planet, Zalea, is pronounced exactly like a name of a place where Spock undergoes fall torpan, the refusion, in the end of Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. It's called Mount Salea. Oh, wow. I think there's a little difference. Like, it's obviously spelt different. Sure. But they do sound similar. I would not have picked up on that. Mm-mm. I, I think because it's Zalea and then Salea. So I feel like there's a little difference there. But some, some people are like, it's pronounced almost identical. And I'm like, well, maybe not identical, but pretty darn close. Pretty close. Pretty close. So at the end of the episode, Alara gives Ed a jar of pickles. Mm-hmm. And if you don't remember or you haven't 
heard it maybe um, on the show, but it's a callback to when Ed is con- constantly saying to Alara, oh, hey, you want to open this jar of pickles for me? Mm. And so she actually gives him a jar of pickles at the end of the episode. She does. When I first watched the episode, I didn't pick up on I was like, why is she giving him pickles? Same. And then I was like, oh, because he was always saying, can you open this jar of pickles for me? And I feel like at the end of season one, he didn't say it as much. So I feel like it wasn't in the in my mind as much. He maybe only said it three or four times throughout season one. And then, yeah, towards the end, didn't say it as much and hasn't said it at all in season two. So it definitely was an older reference. Mm-hmm. And I was in the same boat as you when it was said or when the pickles were there. I was like, wait, I don't get it until I looked it up mm-hmm. and then it made sense. I was like, oh, OK, that is it is kind of the thing that they had going that makes sense to bring back up. Yeah. And I guess just as a side note, because it just happened today. Yeah. I won the jar of pickles from this exact scene. Tom, who we interviewed for the podcast not that long ago, held a contest where he's giving away some of the props from the Orville. And I got picked to get the pickles. Which is amazing. So once I get them, I'm going to take pictures and stuff. And uh, I'm going to give them to Rob so he can put them up on the website for you guys to all see. And it'll be forever enshrined in my house somewhere. (laughs) So people will know that the jar of pickles is in a true Orville fan's hands. I know. Like, we do this podcast. I love the show. So I just, I'm excited to have a piece of that. Yeah. And just, I'll look at a jar of pickles and I'll, it'll make my heart nice and warm and fuzzy. <laughs> so when they first go down to the planet, Captain Mercer is bringing Alara down with Gordon. And Ildis says to Captain Mercer that they've got far superior doctors on Zalea. Some people think that it's a nod that Two of the guest stars on this episode were doctors on Star Trek shows, Robert Picardo and John Billingsley. Picardo's from Voyager and Billingsley is from Enterprise. Yeah, I think that is a reference. Either way. It's gotta be. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. This is really interesting because if you've seen the movie Starship Troopers, the house that is Lieutenant Catan's parents' house is the same filming location as the house of the parents of Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers. Mm, okay. Which is really interesting. And then just as a fun fact within that is that both parents disagree with their child's choice to join a galactic fleet. Oh, yeah. So there's some thematic connections as well. Yeah. So that was interesting to me. I always think it's in, like when you see a show filmed... There was a thing recently where the movie Hocus Pocus had the Friends fountain in the background. Mm -hmm. And I always think it's interesting when shows kind of reuse a space. Totally. You don't even notice half the time. Oh, yeah. No, not too often. So apparently Seth MacFarlane was really excited about the music for the show during Alara's Farewell that he took the actor who plays John Lamar, Jay Lee, to a bar so they could listen to it on his phone. That is a great song, too. Mm hmm. This whole episode was very emotional, just Mm -hmm. in general, and the music was really well done. I agree. One thing about this uh, episode I thought was interesting, and I always look up the fun facts before I watch the episode so I can watch for these things. There's an implication that Alara does not like her Zelayan features. Yeah. Because she calls her dad's ears stupid. There's a dream of her riding an evac, and she's humanoid in it. I don't think I never would have noticed this unless I, I found this. She doesn't have any of the Zelayan features mm-hmm. whatsoever. So I think that that is a very intriguing thing about Alara. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a way of showing that she identifies with the crew of the Orville more than her own family. Yeah. And she doesn't really have a connection to her home species really anymore. We see that a lot in this episode. The idea of her not feeling that connection and then regaining it over the course of it. So I think that's really just kind of a metaphor for that. And same as you, I didn't notice the first time I watched this mm-hmm. that anything was really different. I just noticed that she looked different, but I thought that was due to things like lighting and her hair being longer and stuff like that. Yeah. But when I when I learned that and then I saw it, it was very noticeable when you know. When you know, yeah. And according to the director, John Kassar, the original script called for Alara to appear human-like in that fantasy sequence to, quote, put a little question on her. Mm. And I think I did. Like, now that I noticed that, I'm like, oh, this uh, there's more layers now. I agree, yeah. Like, it wasn't a mistake that she didn't have Zelayan features in that sequence. Okay, so there's a couple guest stars in this episode. We already talked about John Billingsley and Robert Picardo. Mm-hmm. But there's also Molly Hagen, who uh, she plays Alara's mother on the show. And she was the she had a guest star role on Deep Space Nine. But she's also a Star Trek alum. There's another person on this show that I absolutely love. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. He's great. 
Patrick Warburton. He plays Lieutenant Thrall. He is wonderful. And he has collaborated, obviously, with Seth MacFarlane on projects like Family Guy, the Ted movies. He's been in a ton of TV shows, and I just love everything he does. So I... He's fantastic. He makes me incredibly happy, and him in this episode under makeup made me happy, too. Yeah, he plays uh, Joe Swanson in Family Guy. Oh, gosh, so good. But that is the most part, the trivia from today and the guest stars. Fantastic. The crew is gathered in the mess hall for dinner. When Isaac enters, Gordon and John insist that it's time for their Friday night tradition in which Isaac and Alara arm wrestle. The two have a nearly identical win-loss record, but when Alara loses this time, it results in a broken arm. I mean, the fact that they're just like dance monkey dance was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to see a lot of new aliens during this interaction. True, yeah, there's a lot of crowd going on. This is the busiest I think we've seen the mess hall outside of like the karaoke scene. Mm-hmm. And Alex is back, who's Jason Alexander, by the way. Yeah. And um, that... I mean, it definitely started the episode off like with the, oh my gosh, like Alar is the strongest person by far. I mean, Isaac's a machine. Mm-hmm. The fact that he broke Alara's arm is very alarming. In sick bay, Dr. Finn informs Alara that both her muscle mass and bone density are down. It's then that they realize her strength is deteriorating. And it seems like it's not something that's uncommon. Like it does happen. Mm. It's not a... A Lara specific thing. Yeah. Because she's been away from her planet for so long that her body is just not. It is interesting, though, that I would just assume that if you are innately that strong, you would just always be that. But being out of her own environment has led her to become weaker. Well, yeah, it's like a muscle atrophying if you don't use it. Yeah. So she's using them, but not to the extent that she had to on her home planet. So everything's a little bit easier for her normally. Mm -hmm. So her strength is the result of that constant resistance. So if you take that resistance away, it can certainly fade. That was the thing about when they first went down to the planet, which happens later in the episode. It's just like she falls Mm -hmm. and just shows the gravity on the planet is a lot more intense than what we have here on Earth, and then even later in the episode with some other things that happen. Yeah. The consequences of being out of that obviously has screwed her body up a bit. The two meet with Mercer and Grayson to discuss the matter. Alara's prolonged exposure to Earth-level gravity is the reason behind the change. The good news is that Alara should be able to regain her strength if she returns to Zelaya for a period of time. The bad news is that time could be anywhere from a couple weeks to a few years. If she doesn't return at all, she'll never be able to because a weakened body wouldn't be able to handle Zelayan gravity. So we kind of went over that explanation a moment ago, but I do like that they took the time to give us a logical sounding explanation. I don't know what scientifically would actually be the answer, mm-hmm. but it checked the boxes for me. So I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm in. I get it. No head cannoning. No. Yeah, it was just very much like, okay, got, yeah, I got it. And like, they explained it in a very concise way, too. Mm-hmm. They didn't like drag it out for no reason. And one of the things that I noticed, like, Alara is so down on herself. Oh, yeah. She has just low self-esteem in general. We've seen that. Yeah. And just her lack of confidence is so apparent in this specific episode. Yeah. You would think, though, after the events of Firestorm, that she would have a little more confidence beyond just her strength and that her actual skills would mean something to her at this point. And I feel like now that I've gotten to know her parents a little bit more, I can see why she might have moments of confidence, but she dips back into very true her self-defeating. Ed stops by Alara's quarters to find her training with some weights. After a brief discussion, it's decided that she'll be returning home to recover. Ed says her job will be waiting for her when she's ready. Okay, so I made a note, and I'm curious what you think. Sure. Every now and then, Alara and Ed dip between father and daughter relationship and love interests, which I know is a weird mix. But like that whole scene was like, father, daughter. Ooh, are they maybe in love? Ooh, father, daughter. Like, it was interesting. See, I don't get the in love part as much, but maybe it's like an Oedipal thing. I definitely see the father-daughter thing more so than the other. But in the past, I feel like there's been like inklings of Alara has a crush on Ed. I've felt that, but I've never really noticed it from Ed's side. That is true. Okay, I will say if I if I change it a little bit, father-daughter for sure. And then like, you know, Alara kind of like, ooh, I have a crush on him. He's a guy who gives me attention mm. and I respect him. And But I also think... It's less of a romantic crush, even if she kind of feels like it is. But it's definitely Mm -hmm. more of a, oh, my God, you're a father who actually respects me. Yeah. 
I just noticed in this scene, I got like a little bit of both yeah. vibes, just a little bit. <laughs> I found it weird that Ed tried to convince her to stay. He would be condemning her to a life away from her home planet if that were the case, because that's what they said. If she stays away, then she might never be able to go back. The thing that was interesting, too, is, you know, she said, oh, I could be beaten up by a high schooler kind of thing, mm -hmm. which I'm like, I get that. But like if a human was in her role, I would assume she'd be reverting back to what a human strength would be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I'm like, obviously, she's used to being the super powerful, super strong person. But it's not like it's condemning her to like a feeble wheelchair life. Right. Kind of like what she had going on when she went back to Zalea. So I just thought it was interesting that she still had lacked the confidence that she didn't have the skills. Not all security officers are Zalean. No, but she and, and she does mention it. She's like, the reason I got this job, we know it's because of my strength and I'm Zalean. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't be a security chief at that age without that kind of a benefit. Yeah. And I do think her self-worth comes from, I think, her strength. And now that she's losing that, her confidence is also just like sliding. Absolutely. The Orville arrives at Zalea. Alara takes a final look at the bridge and says goodbye to the crew before heading down to the planet. This was weird the first time I watched it because I was like, why is it such like it was dramatic? Like, mm -hmm. I just wanted to see the bridge one more time. And I'm like, because in my head, I'm like, Alara's not going anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> um, it makes sense now. I will say the Zalean outfit is very cool. I like the fashion on Zalea. I think that future fashion was was very nice. It had a very clear look to it mm -hmm. like you would be able to identify Zelayan fashion in a lineup whereas some other times maybe it's not as cohesive it's very cohesive here yeah and I think it was very consistent across the whole family and just it it, it I mean Zelaya seems very posh to me and very like agreed higher elite and um I think the clothing represented that really well it's almost robe-like qualities mm-hmm Gordon, Ed, and Alara take a shuttle to her home, activating a gravity shield on the way to protect it. Ed suits up in a protective suit to accompany Alara out of the shuttle. As her parents come out to greet her, Alara steps out of the gravity shield and immediately falls down. She's even weaker than she suspected. Ed assures her parents that despite their culture's thoughts about the military, Alara has saved many lives, including his. Ildis is kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah. But the planet's very beautiful when they're flying in. I'm like, this is a beautiful planet. It looks amazing, yeah. Yeah, I would live there now. I just think that that whole sequence really showed the planet in, um, I guess, in all its glory. Mm -hmm. Like, we got to see the houses in the hills, the city, several moons, and, like, all those. Like, it was just a really cinematic and beautiful way to, to show Zelea and then just... Immediately, I loved the whole like shuttle sequence because he's putting the suit on. They show the shield coming down to protect. Mm -hmm. Like, I like all those details because you and I liked a headcanon. And if that stuff wasn't there, I would be trying to figure out, like, well, what about Gordon? He's inside the ship. The door's open. Like, they took care of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as we, I mean, I already kind of knew that Alar's parents were kind of rough. But this episode definitely showed them right from the get-go how hard they are on her. Mm -hmm. And it's been... This this episode, I wish, came earlier in the show just because it would have explained a lot about her character and her character development. Oh, yeah. Totally. I read something, too, about the gravity shields and just kind of the visual way that they mm -hmm. are. So I guess there was a challenge in place that they didn't want them to be too transparent or else people might not notice them. And they also didn't want them to be too solid or else you wouldn't be able to see through them. And that's why they have like that shimmer effect. Yeah. Where you just kind of see it come down in waves. It's like a honeycomb almost. Yeah. Yeah. It looked really good. And one thing I really appreciate about the show is they take care of all the little details mm -hmm. that would bug me otherwise. And I, if I ever have a question that comes up in my head, it's usually answered in the next few minutes. Sure. And so that's something not a lot of shows do for me. And this one just makes me, it makes my head happy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it does seem that from the look of Alara's house and where it's located and everything and things that we see throughout the episode that Alara's family is pretty well off. I would assume so. And they also have a beach house. So, <laughs> yeah, which might explain some of Ildis's attitude, because it mm -hmm. seems like we haven't seen too many Zelayans, 
but the ones that we have are a bit elitist and posh, like you said, anyway. And then you take that and you add on their status on that planet on top of that. And yeah, he probably looks down on a lot of stuff. How do you think they compare to like Vulcans? Hmm. Interesting. I just thought of that. Yeah. I think some of that smugness is there. Mm hmm. Obviously, the emotional thing is very different. I think yeah. they're still just as full emotional as humans are. Yeah, that it just is interesting because it's their Vulcans are very like elitist too. Mm-hmm. So I could I could draw some conclusions there, but I feel like the lands are very unique in yeah. the way they conduct themselves too. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting too to see them go through the hassle of putting the suit on and everything when really they didn't need it for that long. But I understand why the episode did it as a way to set up what it is later on. So they didn't have to explain it later. Yeah. It makes sense. Story wise. It's, it, it's interesting because maybe Ed was trying to put his best foot forward too. Mm. like, I'm coming out and like, not just pushing Alara outside of the safety zone and being like, hey, she's your problem now. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And he might've thought he was going toward the house and maybe he expected a visit and it was very much not a visit. Very true. <laughs> I also really love the part where Gordon throws the bottle out of the gravity shield and it just flattens and smacks against the ground. I think that was a really cool way to, to show the audience how powerful the gravity mm-hmm. is, too. There was a thing I saw online, too, when I was looking at stuff about the show is that Gordon says, I'm trash. My family's trash. And then he leaves trash on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on their doorstep. So, <laughs> so now he's spreading trash. Mm hmm. Later, Alara is now getting around with the help of a hover chair and joins her family for lunch. Her sister Solana surprises her when she joins them as well. The conversation quickly turns to Alara possibly going back to school, and she gets upset that everyone thinks she'll be there long term. It's just like, don't even let her rest, because in my head, it's only been like a day. Yeah, if that. And she's probably been to the doctor, and just the, you're going to go back to school, and maybe you'll find somebody, maybe you'll meet somebody. Like, it's just... I'm exhausted for her Mm -hmm. and I know how people like that can be. And it's just, I have a lot more sympathy for Alara now. And they're operating from two different perspectives here because they're Mm -hmm. like, Alara's home and she's home for probably a long time. And she's like, I'm going back in a week or two. Yeah. And I mean, she doesn't know how she's going to get better and how quickly she's going to get better. Mm -hmm. I was shocked when they like, she's in a hover chair. Yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was like that bad. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I just thought the glimpse inside of Zelayan culture, but also her life was really, the curtain got pulled back and mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this explains everything. It does. Also, though, <laughs> is she going to get that much better if she's in a hover chair all the time? I was, I mean, I'm assuming in my brain, headcanning, that they're doing PT. Sure. That there's okay. some sort yeah. of like, she can't walk on her own. So she's seeing a doctor to like, do your leg exercises. <laughs> One more reason she might have been annoyed with the fact that they'd go to the beach house be like, well, you're taking me away from all my <laughs> doctors. All my and doctor's stuff. appointments. <laughs> yeah. That evening, her father, Ildis, tells her that he's glad she's home. They get in a fight about how Alara feels like he never encouraged her, instead making her feel intellectually inferior. He puts down the fleet, but Alara tells him it's the only place she's gotten actual encouragement. The conversation ends with Ildis telling her that they'll be spending some time as a family at the beach house. Alara is sticking up for herself, but she did kind of go zero to 60 mm-hmm. a little bit. She did. Though I do understand. Those triggers are there for sure. Mm-hmm. She's back at home and I'm sure she feels little control. She can't move like she used to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's a lot of factors. Ildis didn't seem to exacerbate the situation, but it just it made me sad. Mm. Just the whole interaction just kind of bummed me out. And I, I think that's what you're supposed to feel like. It's just. Oh, yeah. There's so many problems, no matter what, like you can be rich and smart and super strong, but you can still have problems. And I did have the thought kind of like you suggested that they're somewhat like Vulcans in the sense that is Ildis so intellectual that he lacks some empathy, mm-hmm. which is very possible because it's almost like at the end of the episode, he didn't see his daughter. He said, mm-hmm. I didn't get to know you. So I think it it might just be like a blinder. Yeah. Like just like this is just how things are. And I think sometimes really traumatic situations are what are needed to um, pull those filters down. Yeah. It seems like in their culture, being intelligent and intellectual is valued way above almost anything else. 
So mm-hmm. even someone who's operating at an average level, I feel like, would be considered slow on that planet, mm-hmm. at least from what we've seen. It makes me wonder, yeah, if there's like other classes yeah. on Zalea too. So that that's, I don't know, that's just something that I think would be interesting to learn more about. The next morning, the family arrives on the island where the beach house is located. Their caretaker, Saris, welcomes them back before leaving for a trip of his own. To their delight, they also spot a wild evac in the yard. At sundown, Alara sits outside gazing at the ocean while having dreams of riding the evac along the shore. Before she goes inside, she notices a light on in a house some distance away. One of the things I wrote down is the hovercraft that they took to the beach house. Mm-hmm. I just wrote it. I wrote it as a luxury floater. <laughs> <laughs> just that it's just like a it's just so fancy. And um, one of the things I forgot to mention is when they're having dinner, mm-hmm. the purple drinks. Oh, yeah. I just, I like that, like I was saying, little detail things. Like, I was like, what kind of drink is that? Like, what does Lance drink? And like that, my brain wanted to figure that out. But I I loved seeing the house that they were in originally and then seeing this beach house. It's all very modern. It's all very aesthetically pleasing. Yes. Clean. And I just, I think it's interesting because it kind of does give away that like luxury elitist vibe in a way. Mm -hmm. But seeing the evac was really cool because we haven't really seen creatures very much. Not a ton, no. So that, yeah, it was absolutely cool. And I remember when we talked to Lex before that he said what he had to work with with the evac was basically a horse, but you can only change like things on the head and the tail. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And he had old backstory where like, it has a beak so it can break the shells of crabs on the beach and stuff because that's its mm-hmm. general environment. The fact that there's the backstory and everything behind the design is so cool. And it makes it, more impactful when mm-hmm. you know the backstory too. And then when Alara's writing it, it's kind of like a callback in a way. But it's also it's like an allegory for freedom and I'm doing what I want and I, I'm embracing that. But it was that's the moment though, if you're watching the show, you see that she's humanoid. Mm-hmm. So or she is a humanoid, but human features. Yeah. And so that is a very intriguing sequence in general yeah and a gorgeous sequence by the way the lighting the sky everything was very beautiful yeah and then when she sees the lights across the way she immediately goes into security officer mode Mm -hmm. like what's that i thought we were the only ones here (laughs) back on the orville mercer and grayson are meeting about general crew updates when bordis introduces them to their interim security chief lieutenant tharl i know you rob i love him what am i gonna say (laughs) I love him so much. Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> uh, Dan's off the hook. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Dan. I love Thrall. Dan's off the hook because Thrall annoys me way more than Dan does. Oh, God. But I think that's the point. Patrick Warburton can do no wrong in my eyes, but also just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about the character, but it just works for me. Just the the way he delivers the lines the way he is and i just i honestly got so excited when i saw he was in the credits and then when i saw his character i was like this is everything i could dream of and more so thank you for writing thorough i he's amazing look don't get me wrong <laughs> the performance is fantastic this is patrick warburton being his patrick warburtoniest yes and i love that but i can't help feeling the way the people around him do when they're evaluating this person who's coming in and talking the way he is to a superior officer who would do that to even their boss let alone in a military situation he had high reviews yeah and I he feel was like highly recommended <laughs> that's probably because someone else wanted them out of their hair like that's <laughs> that's my thought there or maybe he was just so good at his job that he is highly recommended and he's a joy to be around. You have your head cannon and I have mine. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you, this is the moment where you can see where Rob's head cannon goes and where mine goes. <laughs> oh, so Dan's like a dream, a dream boat at this point. He is. He is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Team Dan. <laughs> Two strangers knock on the Catan's door and introduce themselves as Canvas and Florida Boren. They say that they've just arrived and it appears as though someone has been in their house. Alara bombards them with questions, and they decide to call Saris to verify his whereabouts, but there's no answer. Alara and Solana decide to investigate his cottage. No red flags at this point for me. No. I'm like, this is very normal. I loved the sisters' interaction. 
like when they were going over to investigate. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I have a sister and I love my sister. And I just, I enjoyed that aspect because it showed a little grace towards Alara and that not everybody views her as a failure or True. making the wrong choice. It just, it was a very kind scene. She needed something from her family at this point because she hadn't gotten a lot of anything. Yeah. I think this whole scene was a transformation for Lara as well as her whole family or this whole episode. Lieutenant Tharl is obnoxiously eating his lunch on the bridge when John and Claire <laughs> announced to Ed and Kelly that they have an idea to help Alara. Again, I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to like Tharl because he is just this obnoxious bro culture alien you wrote this whole thing right like what you just read yes so he rob included the word obnoxious well it's on his own accord no no no. it's okay it's evident by the people around him that they are annoyed i don't know he's eating stew and he has like a tupperware container yeah and he's like hitting it around on a panel he should probably not be so yes he isn't doing things in the way that he should but we learn a lot about his species from this scene. And the fact so. that he has two esophaguses and mm-hmm. yeah. So we can just pound that he can just pound the food. Yep. I uh <laughs> I have a I have a theory about why we got Tharl. And, okay. and it might not work for you, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh he is he is clearly annoying the people around him on the show, mm-hmm. even if he's not annoying everybody in the audience. But what I think <laughs> <laughs> what I think his purpose is is to kind of cleanse the palate. We know now, after seeing this episode, that Alara is not coming back. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this interim security officer is here to give us someone to be annoying to where when someone else comes in, we're more accepting of that new person because we had to deal with the one that was annoying the rest of the crew. I mean, I could see that, but I love him. And I would be down if he was the new security officer forever and always. Oh, so <laughs> think of the conversations we could have, Rob. Yeah. I don't know if this podcast would last. <laughs> <laughs> Rob would be like, I'm done. And I'd be like, it would just be me talking about Thrall for like 50 minutes. So <laughs> on the way to the cabin, Solana confesses to Alara that she's actually envious of her space travels and that she's very proud of her. In the cabin, they discover Cyrus's bags, which tells them that he never ended up leaving after all. Mysteries. What happened? Like I said, I loved the scene with the sisters, and I don't know. Like it is, Alara's going into full security officer mode. Mm-hmm. Something's not right, and it is. It's just like a, it's a mystery that needs to be solved now. It makes her feel like she has a purpose. I think. True. Yeah. Also, I don't know why it dawned on me during this scene. We had talked before about how Alara's hair always felt a little awkward because mm-hmm. the Salayans just in general have like larger foreheads and the ears are always protruding out. Yeah. And I feel like they handled Solana's very well comparatively. I feel like there's not a lot of options with hairstyles for Salayans. Mm-hmm. I think her mom is very similar to what Alara's haircut is. Agreed. Maybe just some people have an, a natural ability to have nice Salayan hair. I feel like her sister has less ridges visible, so it's a mm-hmm. little lower on her head. And she also has like the strands coming in front of her ears as well, like her mother does. Yeah. I think that works better. Yeah. And maybe because being in the military, like long hair is a pain. True. And so she keeps it short just because it's easier to manage and easier, less things to get caught on mm-hmm. or be grabbed. Granted, I'm also judging by human standards. Mm-hmm. Not by Zelayan. For Zelayan, it could be either or. She could be like the most fashionable haircut. It's true. In Zelaya. And you and I are just being judgy about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're stuck in our own culture. Mm-hmm. Cambus and Florada are joining the Catans for dinner. As Ildis goes to serve Cambus his sauce, Cambus pulls a blaster on him and insists he use his hand. Afraid to refuse, Ildis plunges his hand into the boiling pot. This whole scene was so well done and so hard to watch every time it doesn't get easier to watch and it's just such a twist that the first time i watched i was like this is like a home invasion thing now like but when he was like is that ladle clean i was like oh that's kind of rude like i mean it obviously this house is immaculate yeah and i thought maybe he had like a little ocd we're gonna learn or something or yeah and i was like i don't know where they're gonna go with this but then when he pulls the blaster out he's like you should use your hand i was like oh they're going there 
and he sticks his hand into the hot liquid and burns the crap out of mm-hmm. it. Oh, it is. It's really hard to watch, but it's really well done. Very well done. Yeah. Better than some movies, like just the tension. You could cut it with a kitchen knife or a clean ladle. Uh, I'll- <laughs> <laughs> that would be very painful. <laughs> that would be. The Borans reveal that their son, Galdus, was an associate professor at a local medical school, but committed suicide when Ildis ruined his career by contesting his claims against a vaccine. They want Ildis to record a statement saying that he was wrong. Florada grabs a pair of garden shears and threatens to cut off one of Solana's fingers. Before she can, a union shuttle lands in the yard. The episode just got real, and it just went full 60 miles per hour from the ladle comment on yeah oh yeah and the stakes are high like he he burnt his hand and now they're trying to cut off his daughter's fingers Mm -hmm. so it's just honestly a blessing that um the union shuttle just arrives at the right time yeah normally if someone did like that garden share thing in this show i'd be like oh there's no way they're doing that but after what we just watched i was like Mm -hmm. are they going here too like i really thought it was a possibility Oh, I did, too. Like, I was like, like you said, you don't think they're going to show or have him actually stick his hand in hot lava like liquid. Yeah. And he does. And then his hand looks I mean, shout out to special effects that looked real good and looked really painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought, you know, very much nowadays with TV, like they do show things like that, like on The Walking Dead and stuff. I feel like it was very possible. Pinky finger was coming off, which made it even more tense. Mm hmm. As Captain Mercer approaches the house, Cambus tells Ildis to get rid of him. Ed insists that he needs to speak to Alara, and it can't wait. Cambus becomes impatient and shoots Ed. In the commotion, Alara attempts to grab Florada's blaster. The two fight, and Alara shoots her dead. There was a sequence where they're showing Alara moving her feet. Mm-hmm. And I mean, good timing for that. I think a lot of adrenaline probably kicked in oh, sure. at that point, too. She saw an opportunity, and she took it, and... There was really no scenario unless Ed showed up or they showed up like there was no scenario they were going to live through that. No, no, they would have had to. I don't even know. Mm -hmm. Alara would have had to get that adrenaline and attack somehow, but they didn't really have the opening. So they didn't have the upper hand. Like if she did even get the strength to do anything like they had the shears on her sister's fingers at that point. True. And then Alara probably would have just gotten shot. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, As Gordon contacts the Orville, he detects a problem with Ed's suit. The shot overloaded it, leaving his gravity shield with only three minutes of power left. Alara retreats with her family upstairs. She says she can handle Canvas, but needs her dad to help Ed back into the shuttle. Damn. (laughs) The show just really, you saw what the can did when it entered the gravity field. Like, it's just, I don't know. I I, I liked that Ildis stepped up and he helped save ed's life yeah i'm glad he did I mean, with a burnt hand nonetheless that was kind of where i was going so it makes sense of course storyline wise that ildis is the one that has to do these things so he can fully understand alara's role and what she does but at the same time is ildis really the best choice for this mission when he's the one with one working hand and there are two <laughs> other people that are fully functioning that could climb down and help Ed out. True. Yeah, I don't know why he was the choice. Maybe it was more... I think it really is just for the sake of the story. Yeah, or, I mean, this is me filling in some blanks, like, Alara trusts her dad more than maybe her mom or sister from freaking out. Maybe her dad has more of a level head in these types of situations, and so... Maybe. Maybe she's like, he's obviously the choice, but... You would think someone having two working hands might have been a better option Maybe. for saving Ed. <laughs> Especially when he's dragging him one-armed. And dropping down from a ledge, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, all those things. Canvas breaks into the room upstairs, but Alara surprises and shoots him. As Ildis climbs, or falls down, he sees Ceres's dead body. Using his one good hand, Ildis drags Ed back into the shuttle. He's unconscious with two broken legs, but stable. The shuttle flies back to the Orville to get him medical attention. The leg breaking. Ooh. Oh, I I made a sound when it happened both times. It made a sound, then I made a sound. Yeah, same. I just I felt it in my bones, and I mean that. Like that that was so painful to watch. 
that whole the whole last part of this episode is just very intense but i think that it was done in a way that made you feel for the characters and you're just like i don't want anybody everybody be okay please mm. i mean they broke his legs and i think robert picardo was particularly good in this scene because you can mm -hmm. see if you watch him you can see like the exact moments when he realizes exactly what alara does and why it is so important how good she is at that especially when gordon mentions it to him like yeah she always comes through and he's just like mm -hmm. oh man it was a, a not a winnable situation mm -hmm. and she took charge and took the opportunity to save her family essentially yeah with the danger over ildis breaks down and tells alara how proud he is of her and apologizes for being a bad father she grabs his hand to comfort him it was interesting because I appreciated the scene. I thought Robert Picardo did a great job with this part, too. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to see how unemotional Lara was. But I think it's because of all of the stuff she's been through and things she's been told. And it's probably a relief to hear your father say that. But after all those years of just feeling like you're not good enough, mm -hmm. it's that one moment is not going to undo all of that. Her reaction seems to be on par with someone who's never seen that reaction from her father and mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's like it's almost a moment of shock like who is this person in front of me now that i've never seen before while he's saying i'm seeing you for the first time she's able to say i'm maybe seeing you for the first time and that's when she reaches out and kind of physically creates that connection again mm -hmm. and i think that's the moment when she realizes she can't go back because mm -hmm. she needs to work on this more I thought it was particularly powerful, the exact apology that he used. It wasn't yeah. just, I'm sorry I treated you this way. It was, I'm sorry you got me for a father. That is heavy. Yeah. The writing in this particular scene was really well done. Mm -hmm. And it just, it I don't know, it struck a chord with me. And I just felt that I, I don't even have words to like say about it. Like it just, it was that well done. Like it leaves me speechless. Mm-hmm. Back on the Orville, John and Claire tell Alara their idea. By undergoing weekly high-gravity treatments aboard the ship, she'll be able to maintain her strength and keep her job. It was also going to be painful, yeah. but they now have a solution for any Zelayans who have this problem in the future, and they don't need to go back to Zelaya, and they can maybe start it from the get-go mm -hmm. and never have this problem anyway. I think it's great that the crew came together to find a solution for Alara, even now that we know that's not what she wanted, mm -hmm. but it is something that shows how important she is to everybody. It's what they do. And it's, again, kind of reiterating the family aspect. Like, yeah. she came to find a family there, and she did. Like, they're all stepping up on her behalf. So it's it's sad, because at this moment you go, oh, everything's fine. Alara is back on board. Yeah. Everything's great. And then... A little later, Alara enters Ed's office to speak with him. She says that she joined the fleet to find the family she never had. But now she finally has the chance to connect with her family in a way she never did, and she's going home to do so. She puts a gift on Ed's desk before leaving. Which is the jar of pickles. <laughs> um, <It is. laughs> but I didn't expect this. The first time I watched mm -hmm. the episode... I was like, wait, she's I got on my phone immediately after this episode and started Googling is Halston Stage not on Thorville anymore? Yeah. Like and I was like, wait, I think she's actually like she's not on the show anymore. So it it was kind of shocking. It absolutely was. Yeah, it was. It was like a gut punch in a way because I was like, I did not expect this. And now what's going? what's changing? What dynamic? So me as a person is like, I don't like change. But <laughs> I also thought it was a very poignant episode yeah. to end it on. And it didn't follow the formula. Like you said, they just they just came up with a solution. Mm -hmm. And usually that means, okay, we fixed the problem that we started at the beginning of the episode. Now we solved it. Now everything goes back to the status quo. But she came in after that fact and was like, I have to leave. Yeah. And also, just to say something nice about Halston Sage, I think this was her best performance that we've seen. This exact conversation she had with Ed, I think, is the best we've seen from her in the entire show. Yeah, it was uh, probably a lot of real emotions, too, mm -hmm. kicking in. And um, yeah, it is that, like you've taken this journey so far with this specific crew. It is hard when you 
have to change that up. And it's always sad to see a cast member leave. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this is a really good send off. Yeah. Alara makes her way to the shuttle bay and finds it sadly empty when the senior staff walks out to bid her farewell. She says her goodbyes and departs. Like we said earlier, the music here is absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I think it was a good send off. I've seen a lot of shows where characters are either killed off or they're moving on to other things and it's just not a good send off. Yeah. And I felt like this episode was a way to celebrate her as a character and show her strengths and some more character development, even though she's no longer on the show. But it explained a lot about how she acted in season one. And it does wrap up an arc for her. Yeah. It let us know why she was aboard the Orville to begin with. And that makes sense that that would be a reason that she's leaving. Yeah. Now she has time to fix her family relationships and work on some things that she feels that it's time to work on. During this farewell scene, too, so little of it felt like actual acting from a lot of people. It really felt like a cast saying goodbye to someone that they've spent all this time with. And it -hmm. comes through that way and it makes it even more powerful. Yeah, it was a good send off. And I'm glad that she got that. Bordis especially, like when he puts his (sighs) arms up to hug. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> I know. And I, I, yeah, that was a really sweet moment. Yeah. Ed returns to his office and opens the gift from Alara, which is appropriately a jar of pickles. But as we said before, neither of us really made that connection when it first happened. It makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. I think it's because of the gap between season one totally. and season two. And so in real time, when we were watching it. I was like, wait a minute. And I had to think about it. And I was like, oh, it's a jar of pickles. And then it kind of clicks. But it's a very clever gift. It is. Because it is. It's something that only real fans will know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I, I think that was a nice little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is your big takeaway from home? I really liked this episode. I loved seeing Zalea. I loved learning more about the planet and Alara's family. And it it filled in all the gaps for Alara for me. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot more sympathy for her now and empathy for the struggle she goes through and her self-defeating. And I'm hoping because in my head, the character's going back to Zalea and she's living out there now in my head canon. I go, she's going to go like work on herself and have a great family and be happy finally and all that stuff. And I thought that that was like I said, a really nice and poignant send off for her. And I'm shocked that she left the show. Like that was still, that's still shocking to mm-hmm. me just because I think it is no matter what, when there's a character that leaves, like when Tasha Yar left, that was also a shock at the end of season one of next gen. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this is similar because she's a security officer too. I had those thoughts right away as well. Like mm-hmm. the security officer left both shows. Yeah. So there's just some, I think, some coincidences that happen that kind of just correlate with Next Generation. But overall, it's a beautiful episode. I love like the kind of horror thriller aspect that they added into it also. I just, it's it's a really well done episode and I think it stands alone like very well. What do you think? I also really like this episode. It's easily the best Alara-centric one that we've seen so far, yeah. which makes it sadder that it's the one in which we say goodbye to her. Like... She mm-hmm. finally fully realized the character, and now it's the end of her journey. Uh, the fact that they came up with the solution, like we said, that would allow her to continue aboard made me think that's exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then they swerved it and went the other way. I am glad her character made the choice to leave instead of the show like killing her off or forcing her off the ship in some way like if they didn't come up with a solution and she just wasn't able to go back yeah then that would not have been as digestible i don't think this was a very digestible way to deal with it and while it does leave the lingering question in the minds of fans because i see people say all the time bring alara back bring alara back but I don't know. This feels like a proper send off. Like her character arc is over and that's okay. And it does allow her to revisit if they ever do want her mm-hmm. to. Like it leaves the door open. It's like you said, they didn't kill her off. And as critical as we've been of Alara's character, and we have been, everything here made sense for her. And like you said, kind of explained a lot of her behaviors mm-hmm. up to this point. So, yes, like you, I wish we had gotten 
some of this a little earlier. We got a taste of it, a small taste, when we saw her first interaction with her parents, but nothing to this extent. We didn't know it was this bad. No. Uh, she got to be a competent security officer here. She got to show her father who she really is. She got to find the connection she's been seeking the whole time. And that final scene of saying goodbye crushes me. I do cry every time at it. It's hard. To, well, it, it, there's like real emotion there. Yeah. And we're also saying goodbye to her as a character, like which I know it's still like, oh, you're watching a TV show, but we get attached to people. Yeah. It's hard to see that. And like I said, I don't like change. So it's hard to be like, oh, no, I have to. I mean, while I love Thrall, it's just it's a, it's difficult to swallow when you're like so used to the routine. Mm -hmm. But I do think that they they celebrated her in this episode and they didn't just shoo her off. It was a nice send off. Mm -hmm. Before we get out of here, we have one more thing to do because Katie's husband, Mark, is a big fan of the Orville as well and always leaves us with his one sentence review. It seems like Salean gravity weighs down both on bodies and the emotions of children. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in, in the, the future. future.